Good morning. Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 21. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jim, thank you for doing our reading this morning. Pastor Josh, thank you for that song. Will you pray with me as we prepare our hearts for the message this morning? Lord, you are the source of all true hope. We put our hopes in you, and we thank you that when we put our hopes in you, we are not disappointed. Lord, we worship you, we honor you, we thank you. We are grateful to you that you keep your promises, that what you say you will do can be counted on and that our hope and our faith will someday be sight and we will see you face to face. Lord, we pray for those who are celebrating the Lord Jesus Christ around our island, our state, our country, the world today. We lift them up as we corporately worship you. We ask you to bless our brothers and sisters who are persecuted this day and minister to their hearts, minds, bodies, and souls. We ask you to minister to those who are traveling to be with family, to watch over them and bless their time and their gatherings together. We ask you to bless those who are home ill or in the hospital and minister health to them. For those who are deployed and will be away from family this season, we pray, Lord, that you'd encourage them and watch over them and protect them. For those who have moved away from us but still listen and join us online, we pray for you to minister to them as well. And to those, Lord, wherever they might be who are part of our church this morning, whether they're in this room or somewhere else, we pray that the Holy Spirit would minister to us. And he would speak through me words that honor the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. It had never been attempted before. It was a bold, a risky, really unconventional plan. But the very future of the United States of America was at stake. So President Franklin D. Roosevelt gave the go-ahead for an audacious plan. After Japan's surprise and devastating attack on Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941, against the U.S. forces... Japan, in quick succession, began to overrun much of the southwestern Pacific 
in the Southeast Asia. Japan threatened Australia and India and parts of China. The U.S. mainland was attacked by the deck guns of a Japanese submarine. And Japan seemed unstoppable, seemed invincible. And the future of the United States of America hung in the balance. So President Roosevelt met with his Joint Chiefs of Staff two weeks after the bombing of Pearl Harbor. And he met on December 21st, 1941. And he said that we needed to bomb the Japanese mainland in order to boost American morale and in order to weaken the Japanese resolve. And so they came up with an unprecedented, risky plan. And that plan was to launch U.S. Army bombers from the deck of a U.S. Navy aircraft carrier off the coast of Japan and bomb mainland Japan. So 16 Army B-25 medium bombers were put aboard the U.S. Navy vessel, the USS Hornet. Each bomber had a crew of five men for a total of 80 crewmen. And the raid on Japan was planned and led by a man by the name of Lieutenant Colonel James Doolittle. So his crew became known affectionately as the Doolittle Raiders. And the plan was to launch about 400 miles off the coast of Japan and bomb a variety of targets in Japan. And then the bombers would land in friendly bases in China. And one of the big issues was these bombers would not have enough fuel. And so they had to lighten the bombers to strip them down. They took out the guns in the back and put mock guns in the back. And they added extra fuel tanks, hoping that the bombers could make it to China and land. But the USS Hornet was spotted before they got to their destination. And they were spotted by a Japanese vessel about 620 miles off the coast of Japan. And they still had 220 miles to go before they were going to launch the planes. But Lieutenant Colonel Doolittle decided to launch the planes anyways, even though all the crew knew that they wouldn't have enough fuel to land safely in China after forming their mission. And they all knew, all 80 crewmen volunteered to go ahead anyways, even knowing that they would have to bail out in the China Sea and hope to be picked up by Americans rather than the Japanese. Well, the Doolittle Raiders successfully hit the targets. They faced very little opposition by the Japanese since they caught them by surprise. And although none of the Raiders were shot down by the Japanese, none of the aircraft landed at the Chinese bases. One crew diverted to Vladivostok and the Soviet Union and they were subsequently interned by the Soviets. Four crews ditched along the Chinese coast. One crew belly landed in a Chinese rice paddy, and the rest all bailed out over China. And they were found by the Chinese who hid them from the Japanese, and the Chinese who rescued the Americans were eventually murdered by the Japanese. Of the 80 crewmen, Two drowned, one died in a fall after a parachute landing, and eight were captured by the Japanese, and three of those eight were executed by the Japanese. 
After the raid, while preparing to return back to the United States of America, Lieutenant Colonel Doolittle told his crew that he considered the mission a failure. And he expected that he would be court-martialed when he got back to the U.S. because he had lost all 16 of his planes. And he'd inflicted only minor damage on the enemy. So what does all this have to do with Advent? As we celebrate today the first Sunday of Advent. Well, the first Sunday of Advent is focused on hope. And hope is what motivated the Doolittle Raid. President Roosevelt hoped to boost public morale in the United States. He hoped to instill doubt in the minds of the Japanese people and for them to start doubting the reliability of their leaders. The Doolittle Raiders hoped to complete their mission. They hoped to inflict considerable damage on their enemies. They hoped to have enough fuel to land safely in China. They hoped to return to their families and their loved ones. Hope was the fuel behind their actions. And on this first Sunday of Advent, I want to remind you of a few things about hope. In your bulletin, there's an outline. If you'd like to follow along, if you're listening online, you can find the outline under the PDF icon. But I want to remind you, firstly, this morning, to let hope fuel your dreams and your actions. Let hope fuel your dreams and your actions. It had never been attempted before. It was a bold and risky and unconventional plan. But the very future of the human race was at stake. So the Holy Trinity convened in eternity past and came up with an audacious plan to rescue mankind. Joseph was a practical man. He made cabinets, tables, and chairs with his hands. Practical things. He was practical. He had a good job. He would have had a steady income. He was getting older, and he realized the practical thing to do was to get married and to raise a family, perhaps have a son that would take over his business. That's a practical thing to do. So he found a nice, godly Jewish girl, a teenager, who was young yet mature. And he and Mary got engaged. And being a practical man, Joseph waited the customary year between engagement and actual consummating the marriage. And the purpose of that year was to make sure that the bride was a virgin that she wasn't already pregnant. Well, during that year of betrothal, Joseph, a practical man, was shocked to learn that Mary, of all people, was pregnant, and it wasn't his child, and they weren't yet married. And Joseph was a practical man, so he decided to do the practical thing, and he would divorce her, but he loved her, so he would do it quietly without public disgrace. No reason to make a big scene. But you know the story, and you know what happened. The practical Joseph had a very impractical dream in Matthew chapter 1. Let's look at that again. Passage that was read a little earlier in the service. Matthew 1, verse 18. 
Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. Here's how it happened. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to to Joseph, they're engaged. They're not husband and wife in the sense they have not come together yet. Before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, desired to put her away secretly. But when he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Notice that, in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Dreams are marvelous things. And in Joseph's case, the dream wasn't just marvelous, it was miraculous. One of the questions I have for the Lord is, why didn't you tell Joseph sooner? (laughs) Why did you make him go through this? Why didn't you tell him ahead of time that Mary was going to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit? Perhaps it was a way of testing him because he would be tested many times, I'm sure, raising the Son of God. Verse 21 goes on to say this, and and she will bear a son. Remember, he's dreaming all this. And you shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. Now that is one big audacious dream. And God wants you to dream big too. I mean, think about it. God is not only Jesus' father, he is your father. And God not only did miraculous things for Jesus, he wants to do miraculous things for you too. Your father is God, and nothing is too difficult for your God, for your father. And so, like Joseph, we should dream big. Think about Mary in Luke chapter 1. When Mary asked how she, a virgin, could give birth to the Messiah, that's an impossibility. She couldn't imagine how that could happen. Well, she was instructed by none other than angel Gabriel himself to start dreaming big. Her dreams were too small. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 25, or verse 35, we read this. And the angel answered and said to Mary, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who is called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. Mary, dream big. Let hope fuel your dreams and your actions, and dream big. What kind of dreams do you have? Have you ever noticed that kids dream big? They dream of riding dinosaurs or of having pet dragons. Kids dream of being able to swim underwater and be able to breathe underwater and just swim and go with the fish. They dream of riding whales and dolphins, flying like Superman or Superwoman. They dream of someday becoming astronauts and 
going to Mars, Jupiter. They dream of becoming president or king or queen. They dream of helping all the poor people in the world and alleviating disease, hunger, and polyester. But as children get bigger, their dreams get smaller. Have ever noticed that? That the bigger we get, the smaller our dreams become. And pretty soon these children are adults and they're dreaming big dreams like making it to the weekend. <laughs> and that's their big dream. And I would challenge you, I would challenge me that I think it's time to start dreaming big. To let hope fill your dreams, to fuel your dreams. Like Mary and Joseph did. And their dreams were not just imaginary dreams that could never be fulfilled. Their dreams were big, but their dreams were based on two important things. Their dreams were based on the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And that's the second thing you want to talk about this morning. To base your hopes on the Word of God and the Spirit of God. To base your hopes, your dreams... On the word of God and the spirit of God. Notice what it says to us in Romans chapter 15, verse 4. Paul writing in Romans 15, in verse 4, he says this. Forever, whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. You ought to be reading what was written in earlier times. It's for your instruction. That through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Notice those words, scriptures and hope, they go together. People who read the scriptures have greater hope than those who don't. Plain and simple. And if you have found that you have lost hope, you need to open your Bibles. Because Paul says that the scriptures were written that we might have hope. To read what God has done in the past, the miraculous things. To read what God is going to do in the future. To help us understand what he wants to do right now in your life and mine. Right after angel Gabriel tells Joseph to marry Mary in Matthew 1, we read that what Joseph is told is actually a fulfillment of the scriptures. Back in Matthew 1, the conversation and the dream that goes on with Joseph. We see in verse 22 of Matthew 1, Now all this took place that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, and then there's a quote from the prophet Isaiah, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph arose from his sleep, and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took Mary as his wife, and kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and they called, he called his name Jesus. The scriptures restore hope. And Joseph's dream was based on the scriptures. The scripture, the word of God, can provide, can create, can instill great hope. But you have to read it, and you have to believe it. So if you've lost hope today, open your Bibles. Base your hopes on the Word of God, but also on the Spirit of God. When Mary asked Angel Gabriel how she, a virgin, could possibly bear a child for God, 
she was told, and I quote, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The only way for this dream to come true was through the work of the Holy Spirit himself. Because it was a Holy Spirit-inspired dream. So let me ask you, who inspires your dreams? Is it the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit wants to inspire your dreams. And if he's not inspiring your dreams, you have to ask yourself, why not? He should be. He needs to be. Once again, back in Romans chapter 15, the Apostle Paul writing, as he continues to write, he says in Romans 15, this time in verse 13, giving a benediction, a blessing on his readers. He says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope. Is that you? Do you abound in hope? How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Holy Spirit is not hopeless. So if you are hopeless today, you are lacking the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because hope and the Holy Spirit go together. Ask God to fill you with His Holy Spirit, and He will fill you with hope. Base your hopes on the Word of God and on the Spirit of God. They go together. The Doolittle Raiders, the 16 bombers, did not have enough fuel to reach mainland China after bombing Japan. They all expected to ditch in the China Sea. But an amazing thing happened. A 29-mile-per-hour tailwind propelled the bombers forward to their destination, and that tailwind blew for seven hours, allowing the bombers to go far beyond their fuel capacity. It was a divine wind that propelled them to their destination. As a tailwind to a bomber, let the Spirit of God propel you into the future, into your dreams, to fulfill your hopes. Let your hope fuel your dreams and actions. Base your hopes on the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And the third thing to keep in mind when it comes to hope is to recognize that hope is risky. Hope anyway. Hope is always risky. Think about it. It's risky to marry a pregnant teenager who claims to have been impregnated by God. That's pretty risky. You and I are pretty familiar with the story, but Joseph had never heard of such a thing. And it's pretty risky to become pregnant by God and be tasked with holding the hope of the entire human race in your inexperienced hands. The future of the entire human race depended on how good a mother Mary would be. That's risky. Hope anyways. Lieutenant Colonel Doolittle had lost all 16 of his bombers. He had lost all hope. He considered the mission of failure, and he expected to be court-martialed when he returned to the United States of America. The plan had been risky. 
and Doolittle thought he'd failed. But he hadn't. He hadn't failed. The Doolittle raid greatly bolstered American morale, simultaneously discouraging and embarrassing the Japanese. So the Japanese military started making unwise and poorly planned and poorly executed military decisions. These poor decisions led up to the decisive defeat of the Japanese by the Americans at Midway Island, which was the turning point of the battle in the Pacific Theater. Military historian John Keegan calls the Battle of Midway, and I quote, the most stunning and decisive blow in the history of naval warfare. And when Lieutenant Colonel Doolittle returned to the United States, instead of being court-martialed, President Roosevelt promoted him two ranks to Brigadier General and awarded him the Medal of Honor, our nation's highest and most prestigious military honor. Hope is risky. Hope anyways. Joseph was a practical man. Mary was a teenage girl. They both took risks. They put their hope in God. They trusted God. The hope of all mankind was in their hands. And because they took a risk, we're celebrating the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ as we anticipate his second coming. Are you taking risks? Are you dreaming big? Are you letting the Word of God and the Spirit of God fuel your dreams? Would you pray with me? And while we're praying, I'd like to ask those who are preparing the communion table to come at this time and prepare the table. Let's pray together. Would you bow your head so you can have a private moment with the Lord? As we talk to the Lord, I'd like you to look at your own heart and see if you have received and embraced and accepted the hope of the world, Jesus Christ. You may know about him in your mind, but have you accepted him in your heart? Have you asked him to come into your heart and be your savior, to take away your sins, to give you eternal life? That's why he came. That's what he's offering. That's the best Christmas gift you could ever unwrap. Have you done so? If you're unsure, if you're sure you haven't, in this very moment you can cry out to him and say, Lord Jesus, I believe. Please save me, and he will. Lord, as we continue to pray, we we are grateful to you for all that you've done that we might live forever with you. I'd like to close with a benediction from uh, Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' precious name, amen.